Welcome to the Redeemer Lincoln Square podcast. Our church began in April of 2017 and is located just down the street from Lincoln Center in the Lincoln Square neighborhood of Manhattan. Our channel will primarily feature sermons from our Sunday worship service, as well as encouraging stories and conversations with members of our LSQ church family. We hope you'll subscribe as a way to stay connected during this season of uncertainty and social distancing. Today's reading is Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Amen. Just a quick update. I agree with, with Graham. We appreciate you persevering with the, the heat. Um, this building is equipped with air conditioning. It is not working to the degree we'd like it to. And uh, we know that they're on order to get a new cooler that should be here. Um, a lot of the stuff when it comes to shipment and trade has been off, and so they're behind schedule. Uh, we still we wait, we wait in hope. Um, and we will uh, continue to wait in hope for, for that. But uh, thank you for persevering with us. Welcome again to Redeemer Lincoln Square. We're, we're glad that you're here. If you are new, uh, we are especially glad that you're here as well. Um, based on our surveys for the past couple, from a couple weeks ago, we know that over 50% of you have reported that you are new to Redeemer Lincoln Square in the past two years. And that's a lot of people, which is why beginning today, what we're doing is we're starting a quick mini-series looking for five weeks at relearning communal habits. And we're doing that because we want to care for you, we want to love you well. Now, a lot of folks also on that survey, when we asked how long you lived in the city, over 40% of you said that you've been in the city for 11 or more years. So there's a lot of folks that are like, no pandemic's going to kick us out, we're here, we're in, and we're glad you're here too. Everybody, when we ask them, how many friends do you have at Redeemer, Lincoln Square? The majority, by far, said that you, you all said that you have less than five friends at Redeemer, Lincoln Square. That's not a lot. And so, whether you're new or not new, I think we can safely say that over the past couple of years, our relationships have thinned out. And we need a series like this to relearn communal habits. And besides the beneficial mental health, uh, uh, you know, benefits that come from this, I believe that uh, we should be in this for more than just that. 
that if you really want to know what the Christian life should look like, if you want to know how to live it out, some of you are Christians and maybe you've never seen it lived out well. Some of you are not Christians here and you've actually never seen it either. Paul believes that you can't just say you're a Christian in name. Paul believes that you can't just say, I identify as a Christian and not actually live it out. And so if you want to know what that might look like, chapter 12 right here of Romans is the best place to go to because what what he's done the previous 11 chapters is he has said, here's what Christianity is. And then what happens in verse 1 of chapter 12, we didn't print it here, he uses this one little word, therefore. And what he's saying is, is therefore, what is therefore? Summarizing all the other 11 chapters, therefore, the way to live in light of God's mercies in verse 1, the way to live out your faith, and then he tells us. And what's going to be surprising for you, particularly because we're as modern people, what's surprising here is Paul doesn't think you can live the Christian life outside of community. And so what we're going to look at today quickly is three things. We're going to look at what real community is, what what does real community do, and then what is real community, um, where does real community come from? So what does real community look like? Like what is it? What does it do? And then where does real community come from? All right, number one, what real community is. Some of you are going to say, well, who doesn't want community? I don't think you do. You say, Mike, prove it. Where do you get that? Well, we all say we want a, a connection, but over the past hundred years, what we've seen, Americans have reported that the number of close confidants that they have has dropped by 33%, by a third. In that same time frame, the number of Americans that report that they have zero close friends the number of Americans reported has grown from 10% to 25%. Which means looking out at you right now in this room, if we take this statistic as, as real, then roughly speaking, one out of every four of you, 25% of you would say, I have no close friends. Other statistics show that in, in the United Kingdom, seniors, those over the age of 65, report that one in 10 report that they go all month long without talking to anybody. 10%, that's a crazy amount of people who don't talk to anybody all day long, all month long. So there's, it almost feels like every couple of months there's a new study that talk about how uh, there's an epidemic of loneliness right now. About how actually compared to, as far as health, that loneliness is worse for your health than obesity and smoking combined. It's literally killing us. And here's the crazy thing about it. Everybody knows the solution. You wanna know what the solution is to loneliness? Get in relationships, deep committed relationships with other people. And you, you and I know that, and yet we don't do it. Why? Well, as uh, Graham said earlier, kinda, he kinda, we didn't confer on this, but it's true. We can't blame technology. Everybody's talking about how it's social media and it's our phones. But guess what? Nobody's putting a gun to your head telling you to have to use those things. There's, that means there's a, there's a question beneath the question of why, why do we use these, these mediums? And what I, I, the reason why I believe is at some level, the modern philosophical assumption is this, that you live out every day, it's this. 
at the end of the day, I am my own. I am by myself. That at the end of the day, when you say that nobody has the right to tell me how to live my life, only I get to tell me how to live my life. That means I am my own. And we wake up every day and we, we live that out. And when you do that, that makes community, that makes relationships optional. Sure, get into them if, if they help you to uh, self-actualize, if they help you to uh, you know, optimize your life. But they're optional. You can get out of them if they don't confirm your truth that you've discovered. Alan Noble writes about this in his new book, Point Out That... That, that theory, we want of ourselves in this mindset that keeps real lives is the highest priority. Different view. In this over One little passage. I appreciate so fast. For all you grammar Greeks, these exhortations were in the continuous, sorry, the present continuous sense that were direct commands. In other words, these are supposed to have, these are ongoing actions that you and I should be living out all the time. And you say, okay, but, but what are they about? They were about how to do life together. Look, go, go, go to the first verse. Very first thing, be devoted. Be devoted to one another in love. And that word love is not, it's not the uh, Greek word for erotic love or, um, you know, storge or agape love. This is philios. This is brotherly love. This is relational love. Well, how should you do that? Well, it says the next verse, I mean, or the next line, honor one another. And this isn't honor like, you know, formal, hello, I'm going to honor you. This is, it says, honor one another above yourselves. In other words, you should be outdoing each other to show the other person that love that you have for them. Let's back up for a minute before we get straight into these, these commands. We just, I think, made an argument that the way we see reality is individually, individualistically. And yet what's, so, what's sort of jarring and, and there's a tension is our biology and our psychology and our sociology says that the way that you've developed and the way you make your decisions today, it's not on your own. Right? You are the combination of the norms and the uh, re- relationships that have been in your life that have produced you. So you're the product to some degree of your family and of your community and the values that they have around you. That in some ways, the way that you make decisions, the way that you live out your behaviors, it's either because of, or I would actually argue, in reaction to, but either way, even if you're against how you grew up, you're still in relationship to the things that you developed through. And biology and sociology and psychology says all that, and, but so does Paul. Go back here to Romans 12, and he says, you know, right, therefore, how to live out the faith. It's being devoted. It's honoring. If you keep going, it says to never lack in zeal and to share with those in need and to practice hospitality. 
Essentially, he's saying, you need to be in such tight relationships where these things are just naturally outflowing from yourselves. Kind of like a family. Which, by the way, as you know, family's hard. It's messy. It takes time. It takes effort. But Paul would argue that unless you're in these types of relationships, you can't change. And you can't grow. And yet Paul says that this is what you need. And how do I know that? Because he uses this word love. And again, the word love in an English dialect is this fuzzy, ethereal word. Commitment. It's very defined. You can take almost any phrase in the New Testament, God so loved the world. You can put the word commitment. God was so committed to the world that he gave his only son. And that means to some degree... Community like this is, means that when people screw up, when things are, go bad, we don't leave, we stay. In this day and age, if your alarm bells start going off and you start saying, wait a second, wait a second, uh, are you saying to stay in relationships when, when people start abusing you and there's toxicity? And when, what, what level should we be getting in and out of relationships? That's a fair question, and I have a whole sermon coming up that's going to without being abused and walked over. That's fair. But for now, what we need to see is that modern people say, essentially, the reality <laughs> you are not as it is, as time-consuming as it takes, that's what you need. And so that statistic where the majority of us have less than five friends here, Paul would say, that's not okay. That that's not going to be all right. That to live out your faith, you can't do that unless you're doing it in the context of other people. If people are agents of change, and you're not around other agents of change enough for them to speak into your life and for you to speak into their life, well then of course you're never going to change. And so the question before we move on is this, are you in? Are, are you, right now, honoring other people above yourselves? Do you feel like you're in those types of relationships? And if you're like right now going, if you're saying this to yourself, if you're saying, Michael, this is all cool, I hear you, I'll, you're right, I've, I'm new here, or I've been here for 11 plus years, and I'm, I've, I've, out, I've not really put myself in positions to meet new people, I'll do it. I'll try to find some cool people, people like me that I like, and we'll do it. Paul has a verse for you. <laughs> Look at verse 16, the very end. He says, live in harmony, but do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. That, that means not high position. What's high position? Well, he's not just talking about money and status. He's saying anything in your head that you think is worthwhile to relate to somebody, their, their network ability, their money, but maybe they're funny. Maybe they're cool. He's saying that's actually not the way that you should evaluate the community that you put yourself in. That you need people, but you need people that you don't even think you need. It's that other person that you would never have really associated with that's involved in your life that actually helps you and you help them. True story. Um, this is uh, old Redeemer, 30 years ago when Redeemer started. Our church started about five years ago. New Redeemer, old Redeemer. Better or worse? No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> But Old Redeemer, when it first started, I remember this, the first year, I was a kid, and somebody had the bright idea of, whoa, we're all this, we're this new group, let's actually do a photo album. 
so everybody can know each other. You know what happened? Nobody wanted to sign up for that. Because as New Yorkers, we're like, hey, that's a privacy thing. I don't know if I want everybody to know, have a picture of me and what I look like. And, and so it didn't happen. Not really. It didn't, it didn't get everybody. Because why? Privacy keeps intimacy at bay. And you can't, if you, you don't have intimacy, you can't be known. If you're not known, you can't be known. And no, don't worry, I'm not going to tell you at the end of this, there's a photo booth downstairs, let's all take our picture. I'm not going to tell you to do that. But I do want you to ask yourself, is it possible that maybe I should join a community group this, this fall? Is it possible that maybe if you are in one, or you tried them, may try a new one, or go further in? Push yourself. I know it's a time commitment. I know your schedule is going to have to be rearranged for it to work. But unless you put yourself in a position, I don't know of any other place where somebody earns the right where they can speak into your life and you can speak into their life. Coming here on a Sunday, not enough. You might even meet people, hey, I remember seeing you before. Hey, great. But not enough for, for somebody to be able to say, hey, you know, I don't know if you should take that job. Actually, you should take that job. Or vice versa. Because don't worry, it's not just you. They, need you. they need you. You need them. Maybe you shouldn't be with that person. Maybe you should. I don't know any other way to do this. It takes time. It takes effort. But because of good families do this and good communities do this, they do not leave you on your own. We do not say, do what feels right. We do not say, follow your heart. We do not say, you know, live and let live. Because that's not actually being devoted. That's not actually honoring somebody above yourself. And I promise you, friends, if we did this, if you really did it, see, here's what's so crazy. I know what I'm saying right now. You know, very few people are going to argue with me. If you did this, you would not be lonely. And if we did this, you would change. This church would change. And I promise you, out of this church, this city would be different and change as well. That's what community is. It's a commitment to one another through thick and thin. And Paul knows it. That's how you have to live out the Christian life. And I actually believe in our heart of hearts, we understand that too. The question is, will we do it? Number one. At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q&R, after our Sunday worship service. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastors and other members of our church community. If you have questions that you'd like to process, feel free to email us at lsq at redeemer.com or Join us for our virtual worship service on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. You can find our YouTube channel at lincolnsquare.redeemer.com slash YouTube. Number two, all right. What real community does. Now, I know what you're going to think. You're going to think, oh, I know what he's going to say. If this is what real community is, what it does is they do Bible studies and they kumbaya, you know, wave a little light and hug each other. By the way, some communities do do that. That's fine. But you know what? Community is so broad, I don't feel comfortable saying that's the only way to do community. But see, what, is, what does Paul do? Paul says, in, in the space of all these great statements of honoring and hospitality and be devoted, I find it really interesting what it looks like is a switch in verse 14. Even our, our English Bibles put it in a different paragraph, which... In the original Greek, it was never broken up this way. 
But in verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you, bless those, bless and do not curse. Now, what you should be saying right now is this, wait, I thought we were talking about community. Exactly. Paul is assuming that. And that's why you go to the next verse, verse 15, where it says, to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That's a pretty famous Pauline statement that we tend to apply just like a blanket statement. But in context, we go, oh my goodness, who's Paul referring to? He's referring to people in the verse before, the people who are persecuting you, which means if you have a tendency of somebody who you really don't like or is a frenemy or even an enemy, if you mourn when they're, having a good, when they're being blessed or you're pretty excited when they're having a hard time, Paul says that's not okay. But even more importantly is the very fact that this is here. It's almost like Paul is like reading your thoughts right now. He's anticipating this. If you're saying, if you're going to say to me, okay, Michael, okay, um, I'm going to get in community. I'm going to try it again. I'll do it here at Lincoln Square. But you know what? When somebody's a jerk, when somebody starts getting annoying, if somebody starts bugging me, I'm out. If somebody starts getting mean, I'm out. And Paul is saying that's not community. That's convenience. And here's where it starts getting a little bit, you know, hard to say this, but it's possible a lot of what you think is community is actually just convenience. If you can get out of it quickly, if you're like, I'm done, that's not real community. Paul's saying that's actually not, it's not just bad for you, it's bad for everybody else. We think as modern people, oh, well, you know, this is best for me, I'm, I'm done, it's best for you, I'm out of here, I'm out of this relationship. You know what you do? You ghost, you don't reply, you just sort of, you know, ever see that meme with Homer Simpson where he kind of just backs into the, like, bush and kind of just, you know, he's not there anymore? That's us in modern, as modern people. But Paul says no, that he's assuming it's worse for everybody else. Growing up in the city, um, uh, you know, apartments are, real estate is a premium, so I lived with, my brother and I, we we shared a room, and we had a bunk bed, right, because you have to figure out how to do space, and because of that, though, being in a bunk bed, it's hard, because we annoy each other, and he shakes, and I shake, and then he gets mad at me, and I might have, you know, done things to him that he's not happy about, and he's done things to me, and we bug each other. Uh, he's, he usually sits over there. He's not here right now, but um, we, through our relationship, we had a hard time. We had a lot of conflict. There was a lot of annoyance, and yet Paul would say, that's an opportunity to bless those who persecute you. And I'm, and I'm not saying just me persecuting my brother, but vice versa. See, for Paul, without relationships that go bad, and this is, gonna, this, is, this is where your mind gets kind of blown, without relationships that go bad, you can't grow, you can't change, and they can't either. Because it tends to be in that strife, it's in that hurt and in that brokenness, where any real relationship can move us and change us. Why? Because it's in that space where you start going, wait, what did I do wrong? And what did they do wrong? And who's at fault? And wait, am I at fault? Are they at fault? Because you're mad at them, but they're mad at you. And it doesn't work out where it's like 50-50, half them, half you. It's always like a little intermeshed, and it's all this, this stuff, all nasty. But it's in that nastiness that where what happens? The space for change happens. The humility of where owning what you've done. 
where out of that disorder comes maturity and potential and so much growth to be different. And so if you want to know, you want to have, you want to have a guaranteed way for you never to change or grow, never go through any adversity. The thing that you want is just a smooth life actually potentially could be the worst thing for you. And I don't mean that just in general. I mean relationally speaking. A friend of mine who's a counselor this blew my mind. He said that he's getting more and more people asking for, for, for them to meet up. He has cases because people are in relationships, like dating relationships, and they don't know how to get out of them. They don't know how to do the conflict, and so they're looking for advice and for help to, to even have the conflict. We have developed in such a space, in such a place as modern people, we don't even know how to have good fights and good conflict. Years ago, my, my wife had a conflict with, with somebody. I don't even remember what it was about, but I knew it was not good. But they, they met up, they sat down, they hashed it out. It was hard. There was, you know, I'm sure there was tears, and yet they became friends out of that. Think about all the people that you could have changed and could have, they could have changed you if you had stayed in the relationship. Right? There, that if we leave conflict, we might be missing out on the very place where growth can happen. Now, I know some of you go, but, but, but what about abusive relationships? Guess what? Get out of those. Abusive relationships, bad. Problem is we've labeled just hard relationships and we've labeled regular relationships as abusive. That's not okay. And Paul's saying it's not okay. Instead, we should be like Paul. The fact that it's right here in the middle of all this lovey-dovey, devoted, love, kindness, the fact that he goes, bless us, persecute you, he's assuming... If you do this long enough, it's going to be hard, and it's going to get messy. And so if you want to know what community does, if it is this sort of community that stays in it and is committed, and I'm, I'm in it, I'm going to serve, I'm going to love, I'm going to care, just give it a little time, and what it's going to have to do is conflict. And we shouldn't be getting surprised. We shouldn't be, oh, I'm out. Because at the end of the day, hurt people hurt people. Or um, what I like better is this. Fallen people fail people. And the Bible is very clear. Everybody's fallen, which means everybody's going to fail people. Just give it some time. And I mean you, not them. You're thinking, yeah, them. No, you. All of us. And the problem, I think, is that what happens is, at the end of the day, I think a lot of us are saying, yeah, Mike, I actually get at this. A lot of you might be saying, so far, so good, I get it. But here's what you do, is you take the calculation. You live in New York City, you're saying, it takes this much time and this much effort, it's going to have this much hurt. And you do out the calculation, you say, I don't want it. Maybe you've been there, done that. Some of you are like, I don't want, or I don't need the relationship to the degree that you say, you're, what you're saying right now, Michael, or what Paul is saying. I can't and I won't. And so last point, where does real community come from? Where does it come from? Because I know even though it's a little bit hot in here and you're sitting here and Michael's saying all these platitudes from Paul, if I just say, go, work this out, take some of these platitudes, be devoted, be loving, that's actually not very encouraging. You know why? Because you're going to go out and you're going to try maybe a little bit and then you'll give it up. It's too hard. It is not helpful to say, go and be good and go. It doesn't work. And so what does Paul do? Well, if you read this passage a couple times, first thing that came out to me was the fact that he assumes 
he assumes conflict. But the second thing that comes out is there are actually some phrases in here that don't fit with the other ones. Notice in verse 12, right smack in the middle, he says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And what you should ask yourself is this, who's he ta- who are we supposed to be doing that with? Am I supposed to be praying to you? No, this is not about how we interact with each other. Paul is making these statements, and he's saying, we should be saying, wait, hopeful in what? Affliction from where? Prayerful to who? And I think what he's doing, he's trying to make a point. He's saying, if you want to do this new community, if you even want to desire this new community, if you want the ability to do it at all, the pole that holds up the tent of all your other relationships has to be, is going to be, your relationship to God. That, and this is, this is where it's so crazy. Every religion, every other religion, we can have a map up here and we can list both religious and non-religious, secular people out, out, outside these doors, would all agree we should love each other, do hospitality, be devoted maybe to, in, in some places. Everybody has the same precepts, but it's only Paul who says you can only do that if you're joyful in hope. And that will allow you to be patient in affliction, and that will allow you to be faithful in prayer. And so then you say, you should say, well, where's the hope? But don't forget, this is chapter 12. He's already told us many different times. I, my favorite, Romans 5, where he says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You want to know what your hope is? You will never go to somebody who you have a hardship with and be devoted to them on, their, on your own. You can't just will yourself to do that, at least not every time. You will never make the calculation to say, all right, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll put myself in a place where in community group where it's awkward and they're awkward and I don't know if I really would be with them. You're never going to do that and on your own. The only power that I know is that while you were sinners, Christ died for us. That has to be the, the power, the engine, the, the source of abiding joy that rests in your life that ends up being the engine out into everything else. How? Because if God loved us while we were unlovable, not theoretically, not potentially, but actually, when God makes the effort to come to us, when we don't make the effort to go to Him, only seeing Him come to us when we don't go to him, can that experience of that love push us out into all the other loves of our life? And notice then, if you, if you realize that, then you can take Jesus, who Paul is thinking about, and you can see how in every precept here, Jesus fulfills it. Jesus is all the things Paul is asking for. Jesus was so devoted, he died for you. Jesus was so joyful in hope, he was so patient in affliction, he was so faithful in prayer for us that he did all these things. There's nobody who shared with those in need, in verse 13, more than Jesus, where he gave every ounce of his being for you, for them. He blessed us and did not curse us. And I believe, I really believe this, we will never be able to move towards the other, whoever that other is. And right now, since we define others, anyone not my own, unless we see that he moved towards us first. Best example I know of this um, comes from a scene in the musical 
uh, Lemiz. I growing up here in in the city. Lemiz Rob was a musical on, on Broadway. I saw it like almost every month. And there's a scene where Jean Valjean, right? He gets out of out of jail. And if you told him, hey, bless those who persecute you, he would be like, what are you talking about? Nobody takes care of me. I have to, it's a dog-eat-dog world. Nobody was giving him the time of day. Nobody was giving him a job. It was only this bishop who said, come here, eat and sleep. And he goes and he steals his valuables, goes on the run to try to have a new life, gets caught by, by the police, gets dragged back to the bishop. And as he's coming back to the home... The bishop runs out with candlesticks, throws them at Jean Valjean, and says, he forgot these two. You know, the police officers, you you got the wrong guy. I gave him these things. And Jean Valjean was so floored that the, the bishop treated him with kindness when there was absolutely no prerogative to do so. That Jean Valjean had wronged him, but he was given even more. That, it was the self-sacrifice of the bishop that Jean Valjean absorbed that allowed him to, when he received that sacrificial love, that then and only then was he able to go out and sacrifice himself. Because that's how it always works, isn't it? That you can only really love because you've been loved. So if you think about it, you will only bear the time cost to meet other awkward people. And by the way, they're bearing the time cost of meeting you because you've been loved first. And so this is how I want to end, is that only when you see through your daily failings there's actually daily grace being given to you, His love on you, and it will never let you go. Only then can we actually really move towards each other. Because here's how the world works. The world does this. I'll move towards you if you move towards me. No wonder why we're lonely. Nobody's moving towards each other. Jesus said, hey, I move towards you, and because I have now, you can move towards me and out into the world. Friends, this has to be the basis, not just for how we do community in our life. This is going to be the basis for how we move out into the world to serve and love and do justice and mercy and kindness. But it begins in here. How can we, if we're not doing it in here, how are we ever going to do it out there? There's no way. And so you are loved. You are not forsaken. I know you don't have this to the degree that you should. Not just statistically, not just because we've seen the data, not just because I've listened to you, but because of the fact that I'm in there, I'm in this with you. We're all in the same space. But if you stop defining yourself based off of your own definition and let his love define you, we will actually commit to each other. So the question is, are you ready? One small way to do that from verse 13 is practice hospitality. I know that's hard in small apartments, but you know what? New Yorkers don't just live in their homes. We live around our homes. We can begin. Pray together. Play together. Eat together. Do it with frequency and make yourself available. And if we did, like I said, you would change. This church would change. The world would change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, at first these precepts just look like rapid fire. But buried inside of them is the heart of God that you, we can be hopeful and joyful. This church is about joy. To joyfully live as reflections of God's love together. That's, <laughs> Father, how we want to live. Acts 8.8, 8, it shows that the early church moved out in joy. I pray that this would be, even though 
were hot or sticky or uncomfortable right now, I would pray that we would see that it's actually through the hardship that actually comes beauty. Not just, not just physically, but actually in our relationships. Move us out into this world. Let us, let, we're doing this before the fall starts, Father, so that we can recalibrate our goals in life right now. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to our church podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our channel if you haven't already, and we invite you to check out our website to learn more about our church and how to get connected to our family. Just visit lincolnsquare.redeemer.com.